Hi, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, where I explore the science of health, human performance, and ultimate potential. My name is Dr. Greg Wells, and I'm a scientist with a PhD in human physiology. I have served as a professor in kinesiology at the University of Toronto and as a scientist in translational medicine at SickKids Hospital. I've also worked with dozens of Olympic-level athletes through the Canadian Sports Centre Network. In this podcast, I do my best to take complex research and make it understandable and actionable for you to improve your health and well-being and perform to your true potential at whatever it is that you care about the most. In each show, I chat with leading experts in the field of productivity, sleep, nutrition, physiology, and psychology, as well as some of the most exceptional performers across all disciplines. Together, we explore the amplifiers that propel us towards high performance and overcome the obstacles that challenge us. Ultimately, I want to share 1% gains that can make a massive difference in your life. Thank you for listening in, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Let me know your thoughts and comments on social at Dr. Greg Wells. All right, let's dive in. Hey, everyone, welcome back. This week, we are carrying on with uh, sharing elements of the presentation I did at the Epic Summit and Conference. This week, I'm going to share the section that I did on movement. Now, I also, in this um, section, talk a little bit about morning routines, evening routines, uh, light therapy, and protocols around getting started in the day and calming down at the end of the day. So I hope that this has helpful. Um, there's also a, a really good chunk of information on exercise for brain function, which I know everyone's always interested in. So pretty psyched that this is something that we get to, to share. Um, you're not going to see the slides, unfortunately, but you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about and the theme that we're trying to promote right now, which is basically around physical activity and exercise as a mechanism to radically elevate your mental health and mental performance. This is the uh, second section of the Powerhouse book, the Move section. So if you enjoy this material, check out the book Powerhouse. Chapter two is all about what we talk about in this particular session. So without any further delays, please enjoy this uh, section of my presentation at the Epic Conference back in December of 2022 all about physical activity, movement, and mental health, as well as some really cool protocols to start your day and to wind things down. Enjoy, and let me know what you think on social, at Dr. Greg Wells. I'm, I'm working on not being so intense, okay? <laughs> so this is Greg being a little bit psycho. So I will tell you what I've been doing for the last little while. And it's a little bit nuts, but I got really bored during the pandemic, so I had to take drastic action to protect my mindset and not, I need to travel, I need to be on stage. I need people in this type of an environment. I was in my house for two years. So here's what I started to do to make sure that I stayed married. Um, <laughs> so wake up at five, go downstairs, bathroom, one or two shots of espresso, just because I really, really like it. It's my one vice. I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I really like espresso. So have an espresso fired up. Turn on the, we got an infrared sauna. So I crank on the infrared sauna. I sit in the infrared sauna. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes to get super hot. So what I do is in the first 12-ish minutes, I will do headspace. So I'll turn on, I stick my phone like just on the glass at the, at the front and I just do 15, 12 to 15 minutes of meditation as I sip my espresso in the, um, <laughs> so I'm like multitasking, biohacking the shit out of myself basically, right? Okay, got it? <clears throat> 
So then, <laughs> it doesn't end there. <laughs> Greg's completely fucking crazy with this stuff, so take this all with a big grain of salt, right? Um, so, sh shot of espresso, two shots of espresso actually, take it into the sauna. Tons of eucalyptus oil on the elements to open up my airways. Uh, as I sip the espresso-ish, 15 minutes on headspace to do my meditation practice, I just do like, whatever the daily meditation is, I don't really care. Uh, at the end of that, I will do eight-ish to 10 minutes of other ship breath work, thanks to these guys. Because at that point, it's hot. I wanna get out and I wanna inhale all of the eucalyptus that's happening and it just helps me to stay focused for another eight to 10 minutes-ish to get me through that first half hour of the day. By this time, it's like 5.30, 5.45. Judith has a separate protocol. She has seasonal affective challenges. So she's upstairs. We got her a red light. So um, she literally lies down in bed, meditates, and sticks the red light machine next to her head to get that stuff into her brain. So like, that's her practice upstairs to keep her going. I'm down in the sauna at this point, like just biohacking myself. So I finished that get out. I happen to live right by the beach in Toronto. So I then walk down to the beach. At this point, the sun is probably coming up at some point, look to the east, get sunlight into my eyes, and I get in the lake. And so Lake Ontario is cold. And so I started pretty actively doing this like uh, about a year ago, back in November, carried it through all through the winter. So almost every day last year, um, when the water was like anywhere from zero to four degrees, I would go into the, into the water. A buddy of mine would meet me, so I wouldn't do it alone. Uh, we would do anywhere from four to 20 minutes in the ice water. And so there was one day where like, I could see ice, like actually crystals forming off of my chest. That was a little bit extreme. Um, and then I go back upstairs, have a shower, and <laughs> at that point you're like fired up. Like nothing could possibly be worse than 10 minutes uh, in ice. <laughs> so then the rest of the day is easy. And so that's literally what I did throughout the entire um, pandemic, just to try to maintain my brain because I was struggling so much with just, I'm, my God, another day in this little tiny studio upstairs. Didn't have COVID, my family's healthy and well, all that sort of stuff, super deeply grateful for uh, the ability to work during the pandemic, all that stuff, but that's the biohacking procedure that I use. That's how I do meditation, that's how I do breath work, um, that's how I do sauna, that's how I do cold, and I probably, probably do that four to six days a week, usually one day a week, I just let myself sleep in. No. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no. What, there's a new type of heroin? Sure, let's do it, right? No. <laughs> Take micro pieces of the stuff that I say. You don't need to do all of it. I'm just gonna throw stuff at you for the next three hours. Maybe something will, will, will stick. Got it. So. Red light versus infrared sauna. So let's talk about sauna. So there's convection sauna, hot rocks. It just, the temperature goes way up. You sweat like crazy. There is a certain effect to that, which I actually think is the best. Most of the effects of that are cardiovascular nature. I'll talk about that this afternoon. Infrared sauna, the actual temperature is lower, but the light penetrates deeper into your body to trigger a significant sweat response, which also has tremendous benefits, but I think that they're different. Red light is completely different and red light therapy coupled with some UV light, which is from a product we have called Juve, J-O-O-V, 
do your own research, check it out. I liked that one when I looked into it. Appears to have some benefits specifically for seasonal affective disorder. So where heat, sauna, infrared sauna all appears to improve the cardiovascular system, we are specifically using red light to help Judith with um, seasonal affective stuff in combination with very high dose vitamin D. Pleasure. Carry on and we'll go to lunch. All right, is this helpful? Okay, I'm just trying to make it like practical this year, right? Like just work. Yes. So when you go into the cold water, what, do you use it for Okay, so we learned this from Ian Lopat when we were in Zurich, but I've been doing it pretty much consistently ever since. So standing on the beach, keep my parka on. Dog comes with me just to make sure I'm safe. Uh, 30 deep breaths. Exhale, hold on exhale until you can't hold your breath anymore. As soon as you start breathing, you do 30 more deep breaths as you walk into the water. Get the water up above your heart. And then you just repeat that cycle, 30 deep breaths, hold on exhale. And what that does, the hyperventilation blows off your CO2, makes your body more basic. That kills off viruses and bacteria. Exhale and hold allows your CO2 levels to climb back up such that you don't pass out, which is why you never, ever, 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 ever do this alone. Because when you're doing breath work, you can pass out. And my dog would just be like, right? So fair enough. Okay, let's talk about, um, and I've got about like maybe 16-ish minutes to go on this stuff. This is exercise, and then we'll, we'll jump into lunch. I'll, um, but I do want to talk about movement. So my pattern today when it comes to mitochondria is breathe, move, energize, thrive. This is part two. And I'm, I do need to talk about exercise because I truly believe that this is so foundational for us to be able to build into our life, get healthy, get more energy, improve our mental health, reach our true potential, all those sorts of things. So I want to talk a little bit about, and again, we're going to use our same physiological model. I'm just going to repeat this every single time. We breathe in, we get oxygen into our lungs, that loads onto our red blood cells, that gets moved through our cardiovascular system into our muscles, that oxygen then moves down into your muscle fibers. And inside your muscle fibers, there's a special type of hemoglobin called myoglobin, hemoglobin that exists inside the muscle, that grabs that oxygen and then carries it into your mitochondria for your mitochondria to be able to create energy. When we did a lot of research at SickKids, this is basically what I studied was the oxygen interactions with mitochondria and how that's affected in leukemia or cystic fibrosis or a whole host of, of other various different types of diseases. So my first recommendation for you when it comes to improving your health and well-being from exercise is very simply, I want you to sprinkle physical activity throughout the course of the day. We did a number of different studies at SickKids. Uh, we looked at strength training. We looked at endurance training. We looked at flexibility training, we looked at yoga, we looked at meditation, we looked at cancer, cystic fibrosis, heart disease, lupus, all sorts of different conditions, and it works. Every study works. Their health improved, disease outcomes improved, like doesn't matter what type of exercise you did, what disease you did, it all works. The problem is we stopped all the studies and then the kids would stop exercising. So what's the point? Because if they're not gonna keep doing it, it's too much energy to keep it rolling. So we went back and looked at all of the data from seven years of children coming through the hospital to get their cardiopulmonary exercise tests done and collecting data and accelerometry and all sorts of other stuff. And we found, super interestingly, that the kids who had the highest levels 
of general habitual physical activity. Basically, how many steps are you taking? The kids who had the highest step counts, the highest general physical, they walked to school, they play in the schoolyard, they carry stuff up and down the stairs, they're not going to the gym, they're not playing sports, they're just who moves generally the most, had the slowest rate of decline in all of their different diseases. This is cystic fibrosis data, but it's similar for leukemia, it's similar for lupus, it's similar for loop, rheumatoid arthritis, on and on and on and on and on. Whoever moves the most has the slowest rate of decline. And there's a number of treatments you can do to push this back up, but basically what we've realized is that simply moving during the day is the key. We're not worried about you doing workouts. Not worried. Of course, they're great. You want to go to the gym? Fantastic. I'd rather you walk to and from work or get off the subway one step, one station earlier and walk around or build a workplace like the McFadden's have done that integrates physical activity into the actual office. Right? We're just looking to sprinkle physical activity throughout the course of the day. I've spent the last seven years building an app. It's called Vivio. You'll all get free access to it later. We've, I am a physiologist. I've worked with like 200 Olympic athletes. So when I built the exercise testing tracking module, I built it such that there's like loads of data, there's calories, there's GPS measurements, there's dynamics of running and swimming and all sorts of other stuff and get your heart rate curves, all that. I could have actually tossed it all out and just done steps. Like literally that's the only piece of information that matters truly to your ongoing health and well-being. If you want to track your steps, you win. Bump the number of steps up and you are doing great. If you're at 200 right now, fantastic. Let's get 300. If you're at 1,000, let's get 1,200. If you're at 8,000, that's cool. Maybe just bump it up a little bit. If you're at 20,000, cool. Go watch a movie. You win. <laughs> right? Like this is all, it's all good. We're just trying literally to sprinkle physical activity throughout the course of your day. Wake up. Go for a walk, finish your day, do some yoga. Get the groceries, carry them into the house. Take the stairs, not the escalator. Like little micro wins is how we actually build this in and make it sustainable forever. That's what we want. I don't want you implementing something in your life that's really difficult to do. I want you to implement something into your life that's easy, sustainable, and if you want to do meetings while you're walking, it's fantastic. If you want to do phone calls while you're standing up with a headset in, that's great. Like we're just looking anything we can do not to be sitting. Whenever I'm in boardroom meetings, I will put my stuff down on the table, put my things down, push the chair in, and stand against the wall. People are like, what are you doing, Greg? I'm like, I'm trying not to die. I'm just going to stand here, right? I don't want to sit, sit too much, right? So anyway, if you're still with me, that's cool. Um, <laughs> next idea that I have for you is three to five times 45. Why do we think about 3 to 5 times 45? Because of mental health. I know there's about 15 new people in the room, so I'm going to highlight some of the data. I showed this a number of different times, but this is the data of what's happened to our mental health over the course of the pandemic. So we have anxiety on the left, depression on the right, dotted lines is before the pandemic, solid lines is after the pandemic, men in red, women in blue. You will see that post-pandemic, those numbers are up across the age range. We are in a significant time of challenge when it comes to mental health. I believe this is the number one human concern for us in the next five years, in addition probably to global warming, which I call it global warming, not climate change, because we have that significant challenge as well. One of the things that we can do when it comes to our mental health and movement is consider that there's very cool research that shows 
that when we do three, four, or five workouts a week, we have the lowest mental health burden. So when we don't exercise very much at all, your mental health burden, depression, anxiety is higher. Interestingly enough, when you exercise too much, there's also a mental health burden of that. Probably because your spouse is like, really, you're doing another bike ride? Re honestly? <laughs> anyway, um, so that middle zone, three, four, or five workouts a week, is the magic. What we've also discovered is it doesn't matter what you do. Walk, run, jog, swim, bike, paddle, gardening, housework, vacuuming, doesn't matter, it's all the exact same pattern. When it comes to your mental health, doesn't matter what type of movement that you do, we're just looking for three, four, or five times a week. So three times a week, fantastic. Best chances for good mental health. We've also discovered that 45 minutes is the optimal duration. So you wanna go for a walk, cool, 45 minutes. You wanna do a bike ride, 45 minutes. You wanna do some yoga, 45 minutes. Like that's all we're trying to do is sprinkle it in three to five times a week, 45 minutes, and we are getting the best possible mental health outcomes. So that is the tactic when it comes to movement practice. Fair enough? All right, next idea that I have for you is I want you to consider moving in order to be able to think better. So how do we incorporate exercise to supercharge your cognition in order for you to be able to function at the highest level in your careers or if you're ever talking to your kids about doing well at school. Every single time I've ever spoken, probably for the last 10 years, I've shown this graphic right here. There's electrical activity inside of a zebrafish at rest. As soon as it starts to swim, the whole brain lights up. You are literally watching the mind-body connection in action here. As soon as it stops swimming, the brain shuts off. And that relationship is true for every single species on the planet, including humans. If you want your brain to work better, we precede mental work with movement. We move to spark the brain. This is very cool research from an inner city school in Chicago showing that it was highlighted in the book Spark by Dr. John Rady. The group on the left did no exercise. The group in the middle walked up and down the hallway before math class. The group on the right walked up and down stairs before math class. The kids who moved before math class had better results on subsequent math tests. And the kids who walked up and down the stairs, the more intense exercise also had better results. So the more exercise, the better, and the more intense the exercise, the better when it comes to academic performance. These children also had MRIs done on their brains and the regions of the brain associated with executive functioning, cognition, thinking, also increased in their density of neurons. So more neurons grew in that area. So there was structural anatomical changes in those kids after doing a period of physical activity right before math class. This data was replicated in the United Kingdom, 5,000 children. They found that for every 15 minutes of physical activity that was added to the school day, was that there was an increase of a quarter grade point, up to a maximum of one hour, one full grade point beyond which there was no further benefit. So if you want optimal cognition, I'm thinking an hour a day is probably where we need to be. And I realize that's a lot. So like, if you can only do three minutes, great. If you get to an hour, fantastic. We don't really care, more is good. Um, and we are hyper accepting on anything that you're doing. Go for a walk, lift some weights, shadow boxing, doesn't matter. We're just simply moving in order to get better concentration, alertness, learning strategic thinking, problem solving, creativity, and agile thinking. But there's some nuances that we've discovered here. This is where we go beyond what I've presented before. The nuances are, if you want better concentration and alertness, we are doing physical activity right before the mental task that you need to do. If you want to do 
learning or strategic thinking. You must move and then be still. So when we're learning, when we're strategic thinking, when we're planning, when we're reflecting, when we're doing our journaling, physically we must be still. If you want to do problem solving, creativity, and agile thinking, that type of activity must be rhythmic, repetitive. Walk, run, jog, swim, bike, paddle. That's why in business we're seeing so many people adopt cycling and ditch golf. So if you go for a long bike ride, you have incredible conversations. And you come up with amazing ideas. So try to find an experiment with the type of physical activity that works for you. We're looking for intense physical activity to spark the brain before we are doing anything requiring concentration and alertness. If you're actually doing learning and strategic thinking, we are exercising and then being still. If we're trying to be creative to problem solve, to do thinking in a different way, rhythmic repetitive activity for long periods of time, no technology involved. Leave your phone at home. Fair enough? I'm just trying to be super tactical here, guys. I'm dumping a lot of content on you. I'm sorry that it's like less stories than I normally tell. I'm just like, but we got to get to work, right? Like it's thrive time. It's like, let's, we got to get some stuff happening. All right, so carrying on, I realize I'm sitting between you and lunch. That's the whole idea around moving in order to be able to think. So we're sparking our brains in order to be able to practice incredible cognition. Another piece of the puzzle, spoken about this before, but it's critically important. Exercising is great. Exercising indoors works. Exercising outdoors in nature is a 10x factor for improving the impact upon you physiologically and psychologically. I would love for you to practice forest bathing. The research on this shows that as little as once a week in nature improves your mindset, your mental health, and your physiology. When we are in the mountains, in my beloved Revelstoke in this particular image, or when you are in the trees, your mindset changes. You go from stress, nervous, tense, anxious, down into contemplative, reflective, open, non-judgmental, and able to learn, and able to be creative. This is an image of Ingrid, my daughter, early on in the pandemic. She was at home, she was out of school, she was not with any of her friends. All of her activities had been canceled. She was not happy. She was like, F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. I was like, wow, you're nine, that's intense. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> so got her outside. And then she said, Daddy, you F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. I was like, I'm just going to keep walking, non-judgmental. Non um, I moved away. She grabbed a stick. I took a step back, took a photo, <laughs> kept my distance. This was that moment. And then I was like, I'm just going to keep walking. And we just kept moving and moving. And 10 minutes later, that's Ingrid. Totally different mindset. I said nothing. I did no parenting. I made no comments. I did literally nothing other than to keep her moving through the environment until she settled. If you're stressed, if you're nervous, if you're tense, if you're anxious, if you're angry, go for a walk in the park until you feel better. You're not of, it's just, it's gonna make a big, big difference and prevent you from having to undo the damage done by you operating in that type of a condition. When we put ourselves in a place to be what we need to be, success becomes inevitable. Physiologically, the connection is this. When you're in nature, you are exposed in the visual field to what are known as fractal patterns. 
If we look in this room, you'll notice everything is like circles, squares, straight lines. When you're in nature, we see fractals, which are repeating patterns that decrease in size. These repeating patterns exist in leaves, trees and branches, rivers, even metal crystals on the left, which funny enough look exactly like the branches of your lungs, which you can see on the right. These fractal patterns exist in the capillary beds of your heart and in the neural networks of your brain. There is absolutely no separation whatsoever between us as humans and our natural environment. And when we reconnect to our natural environment, inevitably, we drop into a healthier mindset and healthier physiology, too. I've highlighted this research before, but it's super important because when we're in a natural environment, we're inhaling the molecules that plants release. It increases the function, improves the function, strengthens the function of our immune system, which fights off colds, flus, bacteria, COVID-19, and even cancer. When we're in nature, your natural T killer cells work better. They're yours. They sound terrible, they're, but they're yours. They're your assassins. They fight off all of the invaders. They fight off your cancer cells. Every single person in the room right now has cancer, but your immune system is fighting them off, destroying them before they grow and become problematic. When we're in nature, that process works better. And all you need is once a week. The effect, the effect lasts for up to seven days. So on Sunday afternoon, you go and you play in the park with your family, that's totally fantastic. And remember, as Canadians, you live in the north, for those of you that are living in, in Canada, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. <laughs> so get some good clothes, get the boots, get the gloves, get the hats, get outside, and everything's gonna be, everything's gonna be great. Uh, and then the final thing I've got for you right before we take a break for um, lunch is this. I want you to make success inevitable. And so when it comes to making success inevitable, I want you to think about what you can do to make it very, very easy for you to get healthier. And whether that's eating well, whether that's stress management, connecting with loved ones, or exercising, I want you to think about making success inevitable. At a moment um, this year where, uh, I'm really glad we plugged in my computer because there is audio on this. Nice job, Jeff, way to go, buddy. Um, I, I recorded a video for you back in the summer that highlights the point that I want to make here. So I'll play this video, maybe we can kill the lights, and um, I'm going to talk to you from, from Lake Ontario just for a minute. I'm not upside down. There we go. Okay. Greg Wells here. Out in the lake. Hope no water sparks start the day. Out with the kayakers. You can see them in the background there. And uh, the thought that I have for you is I shiver out here. And the sun is coming up. My God, it's beautiful. And uh, there is downtown Toronto, where all of you are right now, underneath that CN Tower, is um, around physical activity and being where success is inevitable. So right now, out here, sun is coming up. Two keynotes later on today, gotta work, right? But still have this environment in the morning where you know, all you want to do is train. 
I'm out here in the water, obviously I'm the only one swimming because it's cold and stuff, but like the kayakers are out here, the coach is cheering them on in his boat. I look up on the beach as I spin around here, and behind me, everyone's out running. There's people doing yoga on the rocks. So it's so motivating to be here. And so in terms of getting fitter, getting stronger, getting healthier, getting more physically active, moving more, which is what this section of the talk is all about, creating that environment for yourself is key. And whether that's a home gym, whether that is a beach that you go to or a park, or just simply a walk around your neighborhood, that's what we're looking to create. So it's inevitable that you are motivated, happy, excited, and inspired, which I certainly am this morning as I'm out here paddling around and uh, getting ready for my day. So that's the idea. Basically, make success inevitable and go, <laughs> ultimately, like, if you want to get fitter, go where the fit people are um, or where fit, and it doesn't even matter if you are fit. It's like people who are trying to get fitter are, right? That could be the yoga studio, could be the gym, could be the beach, could be your living room with a YouTube video going on your TV, just inspiring you to get going. All right, that's it. I will see you back to the talk. Hope I'm doing well. <laughs> I think about you guys all year long. Let's pause. Let's do some therapy on that. Um, let's, uh, let's finish with this, and then we'll go for lunch. What questions do you have for me about anything to do with movement? We'll do like four, and we'll, we'll open things up for lunch. Yes? Got it. If you're impaired in your leg work, for example, how do you still improve performance? My thinking on all of this is that inevitably we are all going to have some sort of physical challenge that we're faced with as we go from 0 to 126 with one bad week. And um, you got that. That's good. Uh, and so what I encourage you to think about is moving laterally. And so if it's hard for you to walk, Maybe you can walk in the pool. Or if it's hard for you to lift weights, maybe you can do yoga. Or if it's hard for you to do yoga, like there's a very cool study that was done in a nursing home on people who were, had dementia, confined to wheelchairs, and, all, and they had no budget. So all they did was they had the people literally lift soup cans. And the results were off the charts, reduced incontinence, reduced dementia. People got out of their their chairs over time. So all I would encourage you to think about is that, yes, it's hard. It's challenging. It hurts. I can't walk. Great. Let's go to the pool. Or maybe even just meditate, right? Like, you don't need to move at all. You just need to maybe work out your mind. That also is progress, right? We're, we're radical self-acceptance, zero judgment. We're just trying to take little tiny steps forwards. Can I go for a little walk this morning? Can I stand in the lake in the cold water up to my knees to maybe take some of the pressure off of my knees, right? So lateral movement, constantly moving forwards, radical self-acceptance, it is what it is, no judgment, we don't care. We're just trying to make a little bit of progress. Peter, yeah. Got it. <laughs> um, so, 
Got it. <laughs> Peter, you can smoke all you want. Just keep making great music, buddy. I don't really care. <laughs> I only want the outcome. Don't care about the process. No, just totally joking. Um, so four different elements of fitness. You have flexibility, so stretching, yoga, super important, especially as you age. You have fitness, cardio fitness, which you get from long, slow distance, LSD. Um, LSD, long, slow distance, not the drug. Um, so that's walk, run, jog, swim, bike, long distances. So on that note, you're improving your cardiovascular system. Stretching improves your muscles, your joints, your mobility, your, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name, fascial system, which is also super fascinating these days that we're getting into, like cupping and other stuff like that works really well for that. You then have speed work, which is fast. So that's interval training, HIIT training, spin class, all that sort of stuff. Amazing for your anaerobic system. The sugar energy system, remember back to mitochondria, oxygen and sugar, that works the sugar energy system, also super important. And type two muscle fibers, the bigger, thicker muscle fibers, and your nervous system. That also seems to be particularly good for your brain. Also particularly good for women um, in and around menopause. Just, you know, there's like loads of different benefits for, for that particular style. And then you have force, which is strength training to build your muscles. So if you do a little bit of weights, a couple interval sessions, spin class from time to time, go for a walk into our run and do some yoga, you're mixing and matching all of that stuff together. What happens is if you're super into yoga, you're like, yoga's the best, don't do anything else. Or if you're into HIIT training, you're like, I can do the entire thing in three minutes, screw you guys, <laughs> right? So you're gonna find groups of people that are fanatical about their thing. The reality is they all work, they're all beneficial. But what do you love? What do you love to do? If you love running, go running. You like to hit the gym, go to the gym. You may love running now, but in the future you may like yoga. This fall, all I did was yoga and a swim to go record a video. Um, but that was my priority. And I'm like ultra endurance normally, right? But I just wanted to get mobile again. My back hurt because I sat for three years. So that's what I'm working on right now. But they all are different. They all work. Pick and choose what you love. The best ultimately is probably mixing and matching of, of everything. And shifting doesn't have to be in a week, could be in a month, could be in a year, could be in your life. We're gonna have different seasons where different styles of exercise work really, really well. Cool. Um, no way. Oh, super cool. Got it, so I've done everything right, sit down at my desk and destroy my health for eight hours. What do I do? Hundred percent, we're, we're operating out of a style of thinking that served us kind of, not really, from the industrial era a hundred years ago, right? Sit at your desk for eight hours, earn your paycheck and get out, it's, it's absurd. So we have what are known as ultradian rhythms. Circadian rhythms we're familiar with. The light dark cycles of the sun, the menstrual cycle, right? Like all of these rhythms and patterns we are used to. We also have smaller um, patterns called ultradian rhythms, which last anywhere from 20 minutes to 90 minutes. And we're all a little bit different. And so you will have a period of time where you can focus and be energized and feel good and concentrate and everything's great. 
for individually 20 to 90 minutes. Then you need a break. So what I would encourage you to think about is just paying attention to your ability to concentrate and focus. And when you notice that it's starting to drop off, you've read the same line on the computer screen three times and you like it's not processing anymore, that you need to get up, move, don't look at social media, get some exercise, get some water, eat some healthy food, do some meditation, take a power nap, and 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, come back and crush another ultradian cycle of 20 to 90 minutes. Your body loves consistency. It loves to go to bed at the same time. It loves to exercise at the same time of day. Uh, you will get hungry at a certain time every single day. And so if you can program those blocks of intense focused work at the same time of day, creative work, admin, phone calls and meetings, whatever it happens to be, uh, your body will get used to it. Your all trading rhythms will get more efficient and more effective. You could probably train yourself to lengthen them, although I'd rather you work at a world-class level and then recover and regenerate back and forth rather than trying to extend just more cycles rather than longer cycles, I think, is more, is more effective. So I hope that clarifies that a little bit. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Dr. Greg Wells podcast. If you found this show informative and helpful, check out my blog at drgregwells.com for additional insights and resources on health and human performance. I update the blog a couple times a month. To stay up to date on the latest tips, articles, and videos, be sure to follow me on social at Dr. Greg Wells. My goal on social is to keep your health and wellness and positivity at the forefront of your mind, and so I would be thrilled to connect with you there. If you found this episode helpful, please consider subscribing to the podcast. That helps us out a ton. And leave a review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated and helps me to continue to produce valuable content that's relevant to all of you. Please feel free to share this episode with your friends and community. That helps a ton as well. And that brings this week's show to an end. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Have a great week, everyone.